0: Welcome to episode 11 of season seven of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to be speaking with Sean Rosenstiel. And Sean published The School of Intentional Living. And he had a really interesting journey as working on this book and how it all kind of came together. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about all of the things that he's doing to promote and market this book. So you're going to love this great conversation with Sean Rosenstiel.
1: If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify & Multiply Show, hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify & Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there,
0: Solo. I'm Terry Pappy and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. Hey, Sean, welcome to the Simplify Multiply Show. It's super good to have you here. I love it. He's finally here and I read his book and I'm just like so excited. I've got to hear my hands. And this is not a video cast. This is a podcast. So you have to rush to Amazon and get The School of Intentional Living because it's an awesome book. Anyway, that is if you want to get yourself organized because that is what everybody needs. Every client I run into is screaming for help in that area. And Sean, you have done it. So kudos to you. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Terry. Excited to speak with you here today. This is fun.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a good time. And you know, to my listener, Sean and I've had a couple conversations and we just like hit it off from the get go. We were introduced uh, by another guest that I had. And it's just we've been like fast buddies ever since. So I love Sean what you're doing. Uh, you know, with your with your book and, and everything is so new and fresh and, and you're so full of energy. And I want you to share some great ideas uh, for my listener here so they can get in action and write a book that builds their business. So let's just start real quick talking about basically the how this inception of the idea of this book came about. And like, I remember when I was reading it, I was like, oh, everybody's saying, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. So like, just walk us through what, what went through your head. How'd you kind of bring it all into being? And then we'll move on from there.
2: Sure. Yeah. So the idea was planted uh, by a few clients of mine many years ago. And I think initially, like a lot of us think, oh, yeah, sure. Me write a book someday, maybe. Right. But that idea took hold and it was like inception and many years later, I think maybe three or four years later, I was searching for an entry point into writing about this topic of intentional living. So I did eventually have a desire to write this book. It became more and more real the more I thought about it. And I was finally hit with an idea that just kind of took hold and gave me that entry point I was looking for. And I I just knew I had to write it once I had that idea. Um, but I've always been a, an admirer of so many nonfiction, self-development authors that take the time to organize and clarify their thoughts into the written word and really have that courage to expose themselves to public criticism. I think for me, that was one of my biggest obstacles was publishing my story and, and, and some of the you know, struggles I've had along the way uh, to the world. And especially to my family, to my parents. You know, I, I, I wrote about some things that not even my mom and dad knew. <laughs> so that was one of my biggest challenges, which is kind of getting over myself and having the courage to be a little bit, little bit vulnerable, if you will, oh, and totally. share some of those insights with you know, other people who may be struggling with those same things.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, that's why I love nonfiction, especially when you're out to really provide help. Hence, self-help. <laughs> right. Um, I really believe that, you know, us demonstrating how we solved a problem for those who are just starting that, dealing with that problem is so beneficial. And you have you have to know that there's always something that you've experienced that even though you take in stride now or kind of like right off because you've been through it, that, oh, it's not important. But it is for a lot of people who haven't even done it yet. So that's why I think what you did was, was so Powerful. And I love the book, how practical it is. And and you are, speaking of vulnerability, you are very vulnerable in it. You tell a lot of the, you know, personal struggles that you've had and you're you're ragged and raw about it. And, you know, that makes it so real. I mean, I really felt like I was experiencing the emotions along with you and can so get how that, you know, drove a lot of this desire to be intentional. And here's, how you do it, like step one, do this. Step two, use this tool. Step three, think about this. And the book is full of that. And it's so doable uh, from that perspective. And I love that. Now, you published this relatively recently, right, in 2020. It it went uh, to the bookshelves, if you will. And the so online I'd love bookshelves. for you to do. Yeah.
2: Yes, late absolutely. July? Yeah.
0: Late July, 2020. And so You know, launching a book during a weird year, (laughs) to say the least, was, I'm sure, very kind of interesting for you. And so talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you had to consider around getting the book out there into people's hands, the kind of like making it your platform, if you will, and using this as a jumping off point to how it's going to expand and how it's going to help you grow your business.
2: Sure. Well, I made the decision to write this book early on, uh, early January, and I I think I started writing it sometime early February. It took me a little while to actually get the butt in the seat and to start writing it. And I, I thought, you know, what was interesting was, if I'm not mistaken, headlines started hitting around the pandemic, I think late February, early March, as I recall, and more and more people began to no longer work at work. At their office, they started staying home and people's roles started shifting. And I think now more than ever, more and more people are seeking self-education online. We are all Zoom experts. We have all become IT pros, you know, in our own way. Um, So I feel as if, well, two things. I think I was lucky both from the standpoint that writing this book gave me something to focus on and sink my teeth into during a time of I think, significant uncertainty for many of us. And I think we're still facing that uncertainty today. Number two is I think it was also lucky because more and more people right now are seeking that self-education online. I think a lot of people are using this pandemic as a time to sit back and reflect upon their life a little bit and maybe actually go after and look to improve some of these things, whether it's in your health or your, your wealth or with your relationships that people would otherwise push off further because they're just busy with day-to-day commuting back and forth between work or staying at home. If you're the solopreneur and balancing everything out, I think there's actually a lot of people right now who have been shooken up and maybe even woken up a little bit to to realize that, hey, you know, this nail I've been sitting on for so many years, it now it hurts enough for me to make a move and get up off of it. Uh, so I think no matter what you're looking to write your book about, if it's nonfiction, there are, I believe, more people than ever right now seeking education online, seeking books, seeking challenges, seeking training, webinars, online courses, uh, accelerator programs, masterminds. I mean, the sky is the limit right now. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. I think more and more eyeballs are on social media, are scanning the news, are on these types of Zoom calls you know, than ever before.
0: Yeah, and listening to podcasts because that's where they're getting a lot of education too.
2: Well, your podcast is what I hear.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you.
2: (laughs) I love your current season, by the way, Terry. I'm like binging it in the car, it's so good. That's awesome. I, well, yeah, I, I wish I would have had it. some
0: things. <laughs> I wish you would
2: have published it in January because I would have eaten you, you it all up. You would have really been right,
0: <laughs> right when you were in the throes of this. Well, <laughs> well, that's. Well, I'm trying to create as much as I can, Sean. It's so good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what makes it easy are guests like you. So I thank you for that. But um, I appreciate that you're making me blush over here. <laughs> um, I really i I want to talk a little bit about. How you went about because what you just talked about as far as the the hunger for, you know, the the working public to, you know, learn, grow, maybe go in a different direction, pivot, whatever, you know, leave a corporate job to go on their own or just completely change careers with, you know, depending on what how all of this interacted with them in their life and impacted them. And one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that I love about this book is that you have so much great practical stuff, like down to the use this software, use this app, this is how you fill the spreadsheet out, this is how I use it, this is what works, and you give so many resources and how-tos. And I love practicality around things. If you're going to teach something, don't just theoretically You know, stand up there and say, oh, this is great and you should do it this way and then walk away. Right. Giving them the actual step one, do this is so powerful and so needed. It's the thing in between, you know, theorizing it and saying this is a good best practice and doing it for them right? And and this stuff, you know, what you have in this book is not something that you hire out. <laughs> you need to, t- this is, like you said, it's intentional. So you have to make a decision every single day that you're going to dedicate yourself to moving through, uh, using the tools and being intentional about the choices and decisions that you make in life, career, relationships, finances, everything, everything. So how did you go about creating the practicality of it. And what I mean by that is how, like for me, I'm naturally organized. So it's easy for me to go step one, do this, step two, do that, right? When I'm like putting a project together or just walking a client through something. And when you look at what you know, and how you can translate it into steps, what is the process or how do you go about doing that? Because you did it so well in the book.
2: Thank you. Yeah. So I think it's important. I've studied a lot of adult learning theory over the last few years, and I think it's very important to touch upon two things. I think we need that, what I would call a philosophy of success. Like, hey, here's how you should think through this, or here's how you can look at this from a high level, from a theoretical standpoint. But then I also think that you need to couple that with the practical how-tos, so I tried my best to give a little bit of both, like high level, here's how we can think about this, and then low level, street level, detail as far as steps one, two, three, etc. But the way I always, if I could revert, reverse engineer my own learning, I've been a student of personal development and growth for the last decade. I, as you know from my book, I went bankrupt uh, 10 years ago with my first business. Learned a lot of valuable lessons and realized I was bankrupt in not only the, the financial Category of my life, but emotionally, spiritually, physically, Mm. relationally. I mean, I was bankrupt everywhere. I was completely lost, and I was, frankly, a hot mess. Some days I still am a hot mess, Terry.
0: (laughs) Join the club.
2: (laughs) But back then I was really lost. So I had to figure things out, and I had to do it quickly because when I filed bankruptcy, it was just one month, literally to the date, one month before my wedding. So I had that urgency, I had that necessity. Looking back, it was a real blessing to have that. And I give my wife so much credit because she had the confidence in me that I didn't have in myself, so I owe a lot to her. But in my journey of, let's say, self-education, I always look for what I call the three R's. So this is how I would serve it up if I was writing another book, and this is what helped me to serve it up in what I hoped was a sticky, practical way that people could easily understand and relate, relate to. So the first R is relevant. So whatever it is I'm writing about needs to be relevant. So mm-hmm. for this book, the topic is intentional living. So if someone isn't, you know, if there isn't like this slow burn or this desire within someone to live more intentionally in certain areas of life, the title won't catch their eye. They're probably right. not going to like it. So you have to trust that, If you write a book, whatever your subject area is, that the right people are going to find that book. It's like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, you're the teacher if you're the author. So you have to Mm -hmm. trust that whatever it is you're writing about, you teach, you coach, whatever that might be, there is an active audience out there that's actually waiting for you, not only waiting but struggling because you haven't written this book yet. Yeah. So the first R is, you know, is it relevant? So we can check that box automatically. If we're writing a book, we're just going to make that assumption that, hey, if I went through this, if I struggled through this, if I identified a solution based on my own experience and I, I can add value to other people's lives by writing about it, then it is relevant.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The,
2: se- the second R, Terry, is relatable. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've bought into trainings or I've taken an audio program, bought a book, went to a live event, and the person teaching it was not relatable to me at all for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. Maybe they didn't struggle with the same things I did. Maybe they were braggadocious, whatever it was, with the results they achieved. But for some reason, there was like this misalignment and there wasn't that relatability factor there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important when you're writing a book... To make it as relatable as possible, which is why that idea I had at the end of last year was to liken intentional living and and, and use a school metaphor. Because I figured, you know, everybody has at some level of experience, they have some experience with school, they've been through the formal education system, even if it was up until grade school, even if they didn't have high school exposure or college exposure, like we all can relate to certain things that are a part of, like, foundational elements of the formal education system. So by using that metaphor of school, I've found, after publishing this book, that it is highly relatable to a lot of people. And I like the relatability factor when you write a book, because then you're not asking people to reinvent the wheel. You're not asking people to, like, grab on and latch on to an idea or a theory that's totally brand new. Sometimes it makes sense to do that, to have some sort of avant garde idea that's just, you know, blows people's minds and is totally new. But the approach I took was how can I make this as relatable as possible? Because I think right now there's a lot of people that have this, this yearning to live a more intentional life. So, however, I serve this up, whatever metaphor I use in this writing, it needs to be relatable. Mm-hmm. So, we've got relevant, which you can automatically check the box. Relatability takes a little bit of strategy and thought process because when, you, when we read a book, we all read autobiographically, right? So it's always about us. It's not about you as the author writing the book. It's about your audience. So what you want to do is make it as relatable as possible so that your reader can absorb the information. You're not asking them to think too hard, right? The third R, then, is real simple, Growing up, my dad just drilled this into my brain. He always used to tell me, Sean, you know, complexity is the enemy of success. And I still have a habit at times of making things more complicated than they need to be. Mm -hmm. But the quickest path from point A to point B is that straight line. It's just as simple as possible. So as you mentioned, as part of the how-to thought process, I just said, look, instead of creating 12 steps in this one chapter, like, can I make it three steps? Can I make it two steps? And then I kept going and kept kind of shaving it down and said, you know what? It has to be three. I can't go any shorter yeah. than this. I can't go two. <laughs> It'll be
0: incomplete. Yeah. yeah.
2: It can't be more simple than it already is. Mm-hmm. So you always want to try to make whatever it is you're writing and, and trying to help people relate to as simple as humanly possible so that there's just that path of least resistance. I call it like a frictionless experience. Yep. No one likes friction. I I shouldn't say no one, but I think most people, I think it's safe to assume that most people tend to get turned off by that friction. Yeah, and better
0: progress could be made without friction. So I think that's really the intention behind frictionless is just to make it, like you say, simple and as easy as as possible for them to, to execute on what you're advising.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah. So that's kind of the approach I took when writing. I, I said, how could I make this, you know, relevant? How can I make it relatable? And how can I make it real simple? And as long as I had those guidelines in mind, I felt like the writing went pretty well. And of course I had the help of of two incredible editors, you know, who made it even yeah, more relevant, relatable and real simple. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um I wanted to ask you about I wanted to transition here a little bit and talk about like where you're headed with this, because I see so much potential with this, the content that you have here from the standpoint of being a a true practical guide that you can even deepen the assistance you're providing in helping people work through these things. Because there's 127 pages that are in here, <laughs> there is so much content, and getting someone to finish this and actually apply it in a really effective, powerful way, what are some of the things that you're thinking of as what's the next iteration for this book? And I'm not just saying, oh, write another book. I'm saying, how can you? How are you thinking about expanding this into a, a deeper experience for the reader to really make this a way of living?
1: terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment
0: whether you want to write a book to help build your business or it's simply a passion project writing is a powerful form of creative self-expression. If your ideas will transform the lives of others, what are you waiting for? Let it pour out of you. A writer's journey is just that, a journey. Be honest, be real, and most importantly, be yourself. But if you're struggling to get it done, confused about how to tie it into your business, or dealing with a chronic creative block, get the guidance to get it done. If you want the creative fuel, the nurturing, and the challenge to make your book the best it can be pappy club is the place for you join pappy club and discover how you can express your perspectives through something that strengthens your brand your business and supports the lifestyle you want try it for free by visiting pappyclub.com and that's p-a-p-p-y-c-l-u-b.com to sign up now and i'll see you there
2: sure And and again, I have to thank my editors because the initial, you know, what I would call a vomit draft was uh, about (laughs) 225 pages, and and they did a lot of cutting on my behalf. So I have them to thank for that. So let's see. There are resources, uh, what I would call free resources, for people who are reading the book that actually want to apply the lessons in the book. So you can go to the URL mentioned in the book, download a handful of uh, templates, video tutorials, uh, customizable agendas, etc. Things that I reference that I use in my own life and that you know people who I've coached in the past currently use. So that's... The first step, that tells me that someone's very interested more so than just reading and putting on the shelf. They're actually applying the lessons. So they can certainly download Well, we hope
0: they are. See, that's where a lot of online courseware gets it wrong is they create all this great content. They teach people. They walk people through. They can get super, super granular. But if that course attendee or course purchaser is not doing the actions or if they're not having their experience facilitated, they will stop and they will quit it. So that's, I, I, you can create, like, I'm a content-like mother, right? I am just constantly creating content, but you have to facilitate. There has to be that
2: balance. I think the latest stats, Terry, suggests that, like, 10% or maybe even less than 10% of just students online and on average actually finish out of course. Yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately, you know, we all need some camaraderie and And community and accountability, there's a lot of things that we can do to increase those stats. But yeah, so for me, I have an online course. It's called the Intentional Living Academy. In fact, the current course that's available is recorded the week after I launched the book. So it's a couple months new and it's the best version yet, I'm excited to say. However, I do recognize that there is a gap between readers of the book and, you know, getting them enrolled so to speak in the mm-hmm. online course mm-hmm. so what I've done is the, the entire year I, I just assumed that I would create a webinar or like a 60-minute master class to try to bridge that gap mm-hmm. but sitting back a bit and studying book marketing and online course marketing this year I've recognized that there's a new vehicle that's real hot it probably was like webinars were 10 years ago which is a challenge right? A lot of people right now, a lot of thought leaders, experts, authors are running three, five, seven-day Facebook live challenges Mm -hmm. in a private Facebook group. So that's what I decided to do. So anyone who reads the book, raises their hands, expresses an interest uh, in applying some of the lessons. I'm doing a monthly challenge. Every 30 days, beginning of the month, I do a five-day, what I call an intentional living challenge, which I take them through some higher level kind of mindset type of activities. Then I also do discuss some of the steps in the book, at least I explain the process, there's some homework, etc. At the end of that challenge I offer access to not only lifetime access to the course but also access to my six-week what I call an accelerator program which helps us form that accountability, helps us form that community, that camaraderie, and really challenges them to continue taking action beyond that five-day challenge period. And I've seen that working very well at the end of the day, I think both of us and anyone out there who's writing a book, looking to add value, looking to you know make a significant difference in the lives of others, we care about the result.
0: Of course, we're yes. very
2: results. Why we're doing it? <laughs> yeah. So I looked at this like, oh my gosh, I you know back in July, I'm like, I just launched the book. Launch week was exhausting. I thought I was going to build this webinar and do like a live webinar every week. But the fact of the matter is, webinars are old. I don't like being on webinars and staring at someone's slides, not knowing <laughs> if it's recorded or not. You know, like they bore me to death. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, there's no way I can do this to, to my people, right? I, I just can't do this um, with integrity and feel good about it. So mm-hmm. what are people doing today that seems to be making a difference and getting people, getting those who are involved and in participating results and I saw that, you know, gosh, you know, everybody and their brothers and sisters are running these challenges and they seem to be doing very well. I've also participated in my fair share of challenges this year and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so I decided to pivot that webinar or master class strategy and run a challenge instead and and that model seems to be working really well. Again, the result I'm looking for is transformation with my readers, with the people who are participating in the challenge, and ultimately the people who are enrolling in the course and or the accelerator program, I just want to see that positive change. That's that's what I get out of bed in the morning for because I've been in a lot of people's shoes before that are experiencing these feelings. I would call that the existential vacuum as yeah. Victor Franco made so popular. It's a place in life where you're just lacking a little bit of meaning. You've been going through the motions for a little while and you're looking for, for more purpose, not just in one area, but... In all areas of your life and it, it's it's a real difficult place to be mm-hmm. um, so so you know my people are those people who are looking for that map out of the woods and that's really what what that book is about and yeah one of the most difficult challenges I had in writing this book was I took a lot of book writing training marketing training all that stuff and everyone says you have to know your ideal reader which I agree is so important but I didn't have the benefit of like hey my ideal reader um, has a toothache on the left side of their mouth. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like type two diabetes, going through menopause, you know, 50 to 70 year old female, like I didn't have that.
0: <laughs> for- That's because <laughs> your your book is about life, my friend. So right. your, your demo is more about a person who is desiring that and who has the, so it's more about a subjective state of mind Yes, and their ability to have self accountability and use a tool and apply it and kind of be their own challenge if you will. It, exactly. So many it, people expect others to do stuff for them. You know, wave a magic wand, give me a pill, push a button and I'm good, right? Let me just say hey Siri or okay Google and they're there and and that is not
2: <laughs> Right. <laughs>
0: that is not how you get it done, right?
2: Yeah. Well so so for me my ideal reader it was more of a psychographic than a demographic, geographic right. and This may or may not help some of your listeners, but for me, because we're we're always told as we're writing our book to keep that ideal reader in mind. That ideal reader is reading your book autobiographically. It can't be about you. It has to be about them. Mm -hmm. How can you enter the conversation that is already taking place in their head Mm, and maybe even articulate a problem that they don't even know exists yet or that they haven't even been able to articulate yet? So my bullseye, Terry, was... I would say my future children. I have three children, six and under. And that bullseye for me kept me honest. It kept me, you know, writing with authenticity, kept me open, kept me transparent, because I figure, you know, if one of my three children ever find themselves at at a phase in their life where they went through or they were going through some of the things I went through 10 years ago, I'm writing this book for them so that they can have a map out of the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was very glad that I, that I chose them as my ideal reader, the, my future children. So I think if anyone's out there like, hey, this is a broad thing. It's hard for me to, you know, niche down, so to speak, as all the experts say. Yeah. Try to, and you could even think of yourself, look in the mirror and think about you, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 25 years ago, when you were on the beginning stages of the journey. Or think mm-hmm. of someone that you you love and would, you know, go out in the middle of traffic in a four-lane highway and and save and and you know uh, sacrifice your life for right that I think is a, a, a good strategy if you don't have like a very niched down audience in mind.
0: Yeah, and I, I like everything that you were saying there about that because it is – it's very subjective. And sometimes we as authors and content creators are more sensitive to an area because we've either experienced it or we're just super passionate about it. And we've just kind of spent a lifetime digging and deeping, deepening our own understanding about it um, that other people just don't get. Like finding that um, – well – what is that? I don't know. It's like you don't know what you don't know. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about your book was that you do give them a roadmap. But it's not just a roadmap. It's like where to start. And that's such a key thing that a lot of people miss. It's like you kind of bring them into the middle of the process. You don't really help them make a decision like, is this the right tool for me? Or is this the right approach or methodology and you give them the discriminating questions to ask is this really what i want to do and then you give them the early stages of making those decisions and setting those priorities and i think that that's huge you know it's like i i get new clients all the time and they they don't have a strategy for their marketing they just they don't know where they just kind of run around and do all these crazy tactics that don't make sense and they don't track their you know, success rate or to have any analytics against them. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that? Well, I heard it was something everybody else is doing, you know. And and they come back with the kind of lamest responses because it's almost like they just knee-jerked into a tactic and they didn't really think about it. They didn't create a strategy. And the strategy, the first part of the strategy is focusing on exactly what you want to get out of your business, in my case, you know. And for you, it's it's what do you want to get out of life, like where are your areas of importance and, and what are your columns? What are your pillars that matter most to you and where do you want to focus? So it's really interesting to, you know, to think about those things and, and understand where that's all coming from. And that's what I love about what you are doing and is is that you you actually give the starting point And that's huge for a lot of how-to stuff. So just to kind of wrap, wrap this conversation up is I really wanted to... You know, like, so let's say the challenge is over. So is it really like for next steps in your kind of rollout? Because you're, you're doing so much thorough marketing and launching and doing all these things. You've done so much research and finding out, like, what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do? And um, And so I just want to kind of understand, just to wrap it up for my listener, where do you hope to go next? You know, whether it's something that's just a vision at this point or whether you've actually started planning a strategy for it.
2: Sure. Yeah, well, I have about eight other book ideas in mind, and I really enjoyed the writing process, which surprised me. This was my freshman attempt, and if I look back at, you know, I I see kind of six phases of this whole book writing, editing, marketing process. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the writing, kind of locking myself in a room, turning all distractions off, and just clarifying my thoughts and You just wanted to get away from the kids I just wanted to get a piece of quiet, Terry. I mean, who are we kidding?
0: You said you got three (laughs) under six, so yeah, that's a noisy house right there. (laughs) Yeah, you see right through me.
2: Uh, No, I really did enjoy it. And what's interesting is while I have – I love writing, and I think I would do that more. I'm kind of an introvert, and I really enjoyed that that experience. And I have eight more books to write, and I thought at the beginning of this year, I'm going to write my second book in 2021. But I've gotten such incredible feedback from this first book, and it's so foundational that I think it deserves more of my time and attention. I think I've only scratched the surface as far as where I can take this topic and how many people I can help and and, and influence in a positive way. So right now, my intention is to invest about two or three years with this one book. Yeah, I I think think you can
0: get at least that, if not longer, out of it. Yeah, Especially I think once you start getting more feedback, research, and um, just understanding how people are handling the challenge, how people are navigating through the, the course, right, the academy, and yeah. things that you've already kind of created to help really deepen the understanding of, of this approach. Sure. yeah, Sure.
2: Yeah. And of course, the more and more feedback I get, the more and more I recognize different like pockets of this intentional living category, right? Mm-hmm. So there are pockets there. I had to release my work to earn some of that data. Wow, uh, I like I, that. If, yeah, Right? So so you definitely have to put it out there because then you're going to start to see who is attracted to it. I've also seen who's repelled by it
0: too. Yeah, wow. That's just as important, don't you it's think? It's so
2: important. It's so important. So yeah. at the beginning of this year, Terry, I had in-person masterminds on the schedule for quarter three, quarter four. I had a two- or three-day live event scheduled for – I had all these things. I, I love speaking. I love that live stage. Yeah. I love the feedback and, and interacting with a live audience. Well, you know, the, the cheese was moved early this year. Everyone. Yeah, it you know, sure was. was moved. Who moved
0: my cheese? Great book. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we had to make some adjustments along the way. So I don't know what I don't know about next year, but my current intention, yeah. one step at a time, you know, one month, one day, one week yeah, at a time it. this year is to run about two more accelerator, two more six-week accelerator programs before the end of the year. Hopefully enroll a couple hundred more students into those accelerated programs, as well as the Intentional Living Academy, which again, they get lifetime access to. Next year, I do see taking those same students and offering them more of a monthly mastermind, where we would come together, meeting of the minds with breakout rooms, 12 days out of the year. I think that can
0: be super powerful and accountability from it would be awesome.
2: Yeah. And I've participated in those virtual masterminds for two or three years. And there's so, as a participant, there's so much value. I've run my own in-person local masterminds. Nice. So there's a ton of value in those. So that to me is the next step of the value ladder, if you would call it, or, you know, how do I continue serving at a deeper, more advanced level? Next year and that's giving what people I'm,
0: options too. It's not just right. a curriculum like start here and then go there and then do this, but like you can choose. And depending on you know what you want to get out of it, you can choose and make those time investments for sure.
2: Exactly. And I think what's really important for anyone in the process of writing a book or for those writing a book is I really did my best to to make this book stand on its own and really give the reader everything that they need. Well, to you did. <laughs> apply the lessons yes. like It wasn't like, oh, the end, by the way, if you actually want any of, you know, if you really want to do this, go buy my, yeah, go buy my program. (laughs) There's nothing worse than that as a reader. I know. Reading a book and realizing that you just invested five hours of your life with a, you know, a fancy sales brochure. Mm -hmm. So for anyone writing a book, I would give them everything. Put it all out there. Put your best foot forward. I think the more you give in life, the more you get. I'm a big fan of the law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. And for most things, I'm pretty accountable and I'm more of a self-starter so I, I can usually take down a book and apply it. Like I just, I used to be, you know, it was 180 degrees in the opposite direction. You couldn't get me to do anything. I had lacked a lot of motivation. <laughs> now I can usually get away with investing $12. Irony in irony our book writing, right? And <laughs> <laughs> getting some great results. Yeah. So you have to trust that there are people out there who are self-starters who will hold themselves mm-hmm. accountable. They will take it upon themselves to schedule out all the chapters of your book And get it done. And that's fantastic. But I think the vast majority of people are going to want more assistance. They're going to want your programs, want your courses. Some people even need coaching. I get stuck. I got stuck with my book writing. What did I do? I hired a coach for a crazy amount of money to work with me for 30 days. We connected Mm -hmm. twice a week. And I paid that gentleman more money than maybe any other coach I've paid in my life because I desperately wanted to solve my toothache. (laughs) So, you know, and it was a heck of an investment and I'm so glad I did and he's a wonderful person. So, just recognize that people want different levels of support. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have 10 people reading your book, they're all gonna need different, you know, just like you'll have 10 different opinions, you'll have 10 different variations of support levels that people will desire and that will appeal to them. So I think options are a good thing. You don't wanna have too many options. Yeah, but then I it think, gets confusing, yeah. Then it gets confusing. But I yeah. think like a, a low, mid, and high grade, some yeah. sort of option are, are good for people. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm finding, Terry, is actually more people than I realized want that advanced level of support, help, accountability. They, they you know, a community and in, in camaraderie, it, it actually appeals mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: it becomes a social experience for them as well. So it's not right. just, hey, I'm here to do the practical steps. I'm here to actually have an experience with other people.
2: And now more than ever, Terry, I think we all, you know, are like thinking, hey, things are better together. (laughs) You know, (laughs) things are better together. We've been so isolated. Like we want to share our struggles with people who are dealing with the same things or people who have already overcome what we're dealing with, but are on the other side of it who can provide that shortcut, right? Right.
0: Yep, like we were um, talking about when we started. Yeah, for sure. Right. Well, that's that's really awesome. You know, I'm anxious to hear how all this uh, – I'm a big fan of qualitative research, right? So I'm really anxious to – and I know you're, like, already got the bib tied around your neck and you've got a fork and a knife and you're ready to just digest <laughs> it. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to hear how that all unfolds and how it helps you kind of carve your own pathway because we need to serve our our listener, our audience, our subscribers, our customers and clients we need to serve them and meet them where they're at and help them along and it's it's something you're definitely zeroed in on so i thank you so much sean for for being here on on the simplify and multiply show and and i am going to have you back uh again for next season we've already talked about that to my listeners so um you're going to get to hear wonderful sean again so thank you dear so much for being here i really appreciate
2: you thank thank you terry this is such a neat opportunity it's so good to connect with you
0: Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply.
1: You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.